Welcome to Seeing Beyond Risk, a podcast series from the Canadian Institute of Actuaries. I'm Chris Guboli, Actuary, Communications and Public Affairs at the CIA. Achieving one's fellowship in the CIA is a significant milestone, but a lot of things can change once you have your designation and not just the fact that you're no longer writing exams. The transition from candidate to actuary can bring with it some challenges. And our guest today will be discussing what some of these challenges are. Joining us are Matt Sullivan and Julia Tadman. Thanks to both of you for coming on the podcast today. Happy to be here. Thanks for having us. So to start off, I'd like to know where you are in the course of transitioning from student to getting your FCI designation. Maybe just give us a little bit of background on where you are in that process. Sure. So I've met all the requirements for FCIA and uh, have just recently applied. So I'm scheduled to receive it in July of this year. So July of 2023. I received my designation in October 2022. That's great. Now, Matt, when we were talking earlier, I understand that you were kind of a latecomer to actuarial science. You didn't find out about it until a few years uh, after university. So tell us about your pathway to the profession. For sure. So I, I took a bit of a non-traditional path into actuarial science and into the career. My undergrad's in math. And then after that math degree, I went on and got a Bachelor of Education. And then I taught at a high school level in math and physics for three years and also did one year of teaching in like a more of an adult education role. So I found throughout after a couple of years of teaching, it really wasn't challenging me in the right ways. Not that teaching is not a challenging career in itself, but I found more of the challenges there were on behavior management and kind of improving your teaching skills, which wasn't challenging me the way I wanted to be in a career. So I started doing a lot of research of what else I could do with a math degree, and that's where I kind of stumbled upon actuarial science. And I actually even contacted kind of an old family friend who was in the career, got some of her opinions and guidance on how to start the process. And from there, I started studying and writing the actuarial exams kind of independently on my own. And as I was going through that process, just started applying for jobs through that route. So I didn't go through the traditional, I feel like it's more traditional to do an actuarial science program, oftentimes with a co-op program as well. So you get some work experience through your schooling. So yeah, I was a little late coming into the career, but it's, I definitely found it to be what I was looking for. It's challenged me in more of the, the problem solving, kind of more, a little bit more academic areas that I was looking for. Great. And Julia, you're joining us today from the Barbados. I'm kind of curious how you ended up there and maybe share with us some of the differences working there versus working in Canada. So my employer has an office here. I was part of the rotation program. They had an opening here and I had just written my last exam. This was in 2021. So I thought it would be a good time to come and grow professionally. It's a bit of a unique opportunity in reinsurance here. So that's how I ended up here. And the difference is, I'd say it's a much smaller office than what I'm used to. It's the same company. So I think the work environment is largely the same, like no noticeable difference by being in Barbados compared to a different place. You wouldn't notice the difference like that, but just the office generally being very small. There's a lot more responsibility for each role, but not a major difference. I think the job is very similar no matter where you are. Now, I want to talk a bit about some of the adjustments that you've made as you transition from someone writing exams to someone who's now a fully qualified actuary. So let's talk about that and maybe also how some of your work responsibilities have changed in this new role. 
from my prior role, I was in a bigger office, lots of support as part of this like rotation programs. You have your leaders to kind of fall back on and their leaders and a whole community of actuarial support. You go to them with your questions. You generally have lots of support. There's always someone you can go and learn from and talk to. And I guess being here in a smaller office and that doesn't exist in the same way. So that's definitely been a big difference. For me, so some of the work responsibilities shifted a little bit more from producing the results and presenting them to a manager, and it shifted more into kind of reviewing and interpreting those results and communicating those to more senior leaders. There's also been more of a focus on project and people management as I'm getting closer to becoming uh, an FCIA. So I would say there's been a bit of a shift from kind of a hard skills set in terms of like a very technical role and doing a lot of the analysis into more soft skills. So there's been more, you know, management aspects and communication and presentation. And I think, you know, one of the challenges for me has actually been giving up some of that technical work and delegating some of those processes and things that I, you know, used to kind of take ownership over and passing the reins over to someone else and taking more of the role of uh, I'll review the results that are then created from those processes. I'm wondering if you have any advice for other candidates that are approaching the the same position in their careers as they look forward to wrapping up their qualification and, and qualifying as actuaries, if you have any pointers for them as they move towards this milestone. One of the things that I've always found is that as I started my actuarial career, I, I just felt like I was just you'd get a task or you'd get an ask from someone and you just go ahead and do it and then present that result to them. And I found as I got kind of further in, I think it's really important to ask more why things are getting done and try to, not in a confrontational manner of why am I doing this, but just try to ask why and how those results are being used to kind of follow the whole chain. And I, I felt like that helped me get a better sense of entire processes and, and how the numbers are getting used downstream and how they're getting presented to more senior leaders and, and how they're explaining a fuller story. So I would say that's an important thing. The other thing, again, it's maybe not limited to just as you're approaching your FCIA, but uh, always ask questions. You know, if you're not understanding something, I, I found that and use experts within your company or within your field. I've always found that one of the best resources that I've had, it has been my colleagues. You know, if I'm not familiar with something, but I know that there is an expert on that subject matter that I work with, then I will contact them and, and try to get them to, to walk me through something. And I find that for me anyway, that's been more beneficial sometimes than just, you know, reading through documentation or reading through notes. And I guess one more, if you ever have the opportunity to move around roles within a company, and maybe I'm talking from my experience working in an insurance company, getting experience in different areas of the company, like pricing, ALM, and valuation. If you can do that throughout and as you're approaching your designation, I think it can really kind of round out your experience to, again, get that better understanding of the full picture of how things are working. Yeah, I would definitely uh, echo Matt's sentiments about the the ability to rotate if you can. I mean, even if you feel like you like what you're doing, if you're in a comfortable kind of position, the opportunity to go and see how other areas of a company work and operate and just to develop that more full understanding. If you really preferred where you were originally, you can always go back, but it just it really puts you in a good position to decide what you want to do after you're qualified and, and not part of that rotation anymore. Okay. How are you both spending your free time now that you no longer have to prepare for actuarial exams? 
I started taking windsurfing lessons. That's a lot of fun. <laughs> There's just endless amount of things that you can do when every weekend and every evening is free. You don't have to plan your vacations around your next exam. It, the world is truly yours at that point. Very nice. I would recommend finishing your exams. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> okay, Matt, how about you? For me, I'm definitely been spending more time with my family. I've got two young kids and one of them has kind of lived through most of my exam writing process. So I definitely sacrificed a lot of time. So I'm trying to make up for that now that I'm, I'm finished exams. And again, picking up some old hobbies that kind of got shelved as well. So things like I, I play guitar, but my guitars were collecting dust for several years as I was writing exams. Okay, great. It's been a while for me, but I do remember the year after I finished my exams, I completely wasted that year. It was a lot of fun, but I just needed to have time to be completely unproductive and then get back to it afterwards. So yeah, different approaches, whatever works. Okay, well, thanks for sharing your thoughts today and uh, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thanks very much. Thanks. If you enjoyed today's conversation, we invite you to subscribe to our podcast series and catch up on prior episodes. As well, if you have ideas for a future episode or you would like to contribute to our Seeing Beyond Risk blog, we would love to hear from you. Contact information can be found in the show description. Until next time, I'm Chris Fivoli, and thank you for tuning in to Seeing Beyond Risk.